Hello and welcome to Required Reading, the podcast that revisits the most impactful books from our childhood. I'm your host, Erin Bowles. Our guest today is Lizzie Logan. She is a writer living in Los Angeles with her cat, Matilda. Originally from San Francisco, she graduated from NYU's Tisch School of the Arts, and her comedy has appeared in Reductress, The Onion, McSweeney's, and The New Yorker. Welcome, Lizzie. Hi. Matilda is on as well. She doesn't have anything to say about the book, but but she's here. She's got belly out. Good. Just like the cover of the book, she is belly out. Our book today is Pop Princess by Rachel Cohn, published in 2004. Setting the scene, Bush the Younger wins his second term. The top two songs of the year are both by Usher. Top films include Shrek 2, Spider-Man 2, and The Incredibles. Preliminary hearings begin in the trial of Saddam Hussein for war crimes and crimes against humanity. Desperate Housewives premieres. And Mark Zuckerberg launches the Facebook Indeed. I'm cracking up thinking about the trial of Saddam Hussein being a huge influence on Pop Princess. Yep. The author is Rachel Cohn, and I was so excited when you picked this book because I'd never heard of it, but Rachel Cohn co-wrote like one of the most formative texts of my teen years, which is Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. I did a little research. There's not much on her out there in the internet, but she said that she had the idea for Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist while walking through Central Park and asked David Levithan to be her co-writer because she, quote, needed a guy writer. <laughs> I love it. She also grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland, which is like 45 minutes from where I'm from. They have a great movie theater there, which is really cool. She got her BA in poli-sci at Barnard. This is her fifth novel. And like you, she lives in LA and loves cats. Indeed. And she and David Leviathan Leviathan also co-wrote the book that became Dash and Lily, which I have never read or seen, but I'm aware that it's on Netflix. So that's, she's like a pretty successful YA author. Yeah, I tried to read Dash and Lily and couldn't get into it. But Nick and Nora, I read that book to pieces. The cover fell off. There was a whole page that was just the word fuck that I was like, this is (laughs) groundbreaking literature. Literature. I always had it on me. So how did this book come to you? What's your story with this book? I have been trying to remember because I, I, I would assume I just cottoned to the cover like at Barnes and Noble. I totally wanted to like be a pop star and was into like Britney and Christina and all of that. That was a very typical like 2004 girly. So I think I must have just seen it at the bookstore. And I think that other Rachel Cohn books had been maybe like passed around. I think I read one other book by her. I can't figure out if I read anything else by her. <laughs> but um, she she was like a name that was around in middle school. I went to an all girls middle school. So we were always like reading little girly books. For whatever reason, I thought this was like such a cool book because it's like the real story of what it's like to be a pop star with like drugs and sex. And it's this book and then I also have another book around here somewhere called Confessions of a Backup Dancer and it's by Anonymous and it's like as told to you know some guy who but these were like the two books that I was like I now know what it's like to be a pop star based on reading Pop Princess and Confessions of a Backup Dancer. I also would really recommend Confessions of a Backup Dancer if anyone is bored. Like an hour or two ago, I found out that the audiobook is narrated by Christy Carlson perfect. Romano. That is perfect. Who else could do it? You know? Who else could? Hold on. Who sorry. I, I did. I think I spotted it. Just, okay. I think you'd appreciate this cover. I realize this will not be um, super interesting to your podcast listeners, <laughs> but That's look okay. at this. Wow. It's shiny. That's amazing. Yeah. So these two books really are a time in my life. Yeah. The book, I guess, to give a quick synopsis is, like you said, it's about sort of everyday girl in New England. Her older sister is a burgeoning pop star and then dies tragically. And a year or two later, our protagonist sort of picks up where she left off and becomes a pop star. It sort of takes place over the course of like one year of her life in in the spotlight. Yeah, she basically has like one song. She's one hit Wonder and her name is Wonder, Wonder Blake. And her older sister was Mm -hmm. lucky. That was like a joke I remembered from the book. It's like a funny book is that her parents Mm -hmm. thought they weren't going to be able to have kids. So when they got pregnant with her first, they called her lucky. And when they got pregnant again, they called her wonder. And then when they got pregnant a third time, they just called him Charles. That's just a good rule of threes breaking the pattern joke. But yeah, one of the weird sort of things 
this book has, I would say, kind of a muddled premise, which is that it's supposed to be an everyday girl who does not dream of stardom gets thrust into the spotlight when she's given a Cinderella moment, like an opportunity. Her family is kind of on hard times and she's not having a good time at home. So that's more why she takes the gig rather than that she wants to be a pop star and she's discovered at the Dairy Queen while she's singing along. But then before that, she also was a child star on like a local kids TV program and is being bullied at school about it. So she becomes a pop star, not meaning to, but then she like knows everybody in the industry and she keeps running into people who already know who she is. And that was something I don't think I thought was weird when I read it the first time. And like, it is a unique take. I can't think of any other book that's like that. But when I reread it for this podcast, I was like, pick a lane, Rachel. Like, is she, yeah. is she is she a product of the industry who is now picking up where her sister left off? Or is she a totally random nobody who gets a big hit? Yeah, it was. I'm so glad you brought that up because the, the program is called B-Kids or Beantown Kids because yeah, they're from, from Boston. Boston. And I understood it to be as like a version of the Mickey Mouse Club, but it it stuck with me so much that it was a local program because we didn't have that where I was from. I think like the closest thing we had was like Zoom, which was a great show. Well, I was about <laughs> to say, I you're probably familiar with Taylor Guerin, who does comedy and is a very mm-hmm. funny writer and was like a Zoom kid. And I think she was on one of my favorite shows of all time, which was Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. (laughs) Great program. (laughs) Which is just a great program, great format. But it is, like you said, like every single teen star in any entertainment field in this book was on this same show which I like as the Mickey Mouse Club I get it I get it but it's so specific to being a local program it is weird because it's like okay I get it it's like Ryan Gosling Justin Timberlake Brittany and Christina were all on the Mickey Mouse Club and then kept running into each other but like in the world of pop princess like there is no like Leonardo DiCaprio there's no like Claire Dane like there's no one who got famous young any other way that's the only the only way you could be famous at the age of 16 to 18 is if you had been on B Kids which is odd it's 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 an odd world building choice very and she, the setup of the novel, her sister dies a year earlier. She is, um, she gets hit by a car pretty suddenly. And then they all, the family is in turmoil. They move to Devonport in Massachusetts and she hates it there. And I think one of my first questions was, how did you feel about your hometown? Well, my hometown is San Francisco, California, which I like a lot still, right. even though it's going through some rough times at the moment. I don't know if you read the news, but I loved growing up in San Francisco. I love sweater weather. It's a beautiful city. It's not that big. You can get around on the bus. Um, I, you know, if there were any comedy or entertainment happening in the Bay Area, I would probably move back there. But since I don't want to work in tech, I don't have a reason to move back there. But yes, I love my hometown. For the listeners, there have been so many technical difficulties on my end today. Erin's a champ. She's pulling through for you guys. I also really love my hometown, which is I'm feeling so homesick lately for like the DC suburbs in in Maryland. (laughs) But like you said, like if I don't work in like politics or things like that, it's sort of like you know, I could work for like the local news team who I yeah. love, but not what I want to do forever. And so it was really interesting of just like, I think it's very typical of like young adult fiction to just loathe where you are from. And I think also like dreaming of the the elsewhere that you will end up one day, which I definitely did. Well, they have this interesting tension that they play around with in in Pop Princess being that she liked her original hometown of Boston. And now she's living in the place where she used to go for summer vacation. And the kids resent her for being a person who she's become a townie, but they still resent the other townies resent her because she was like a vacation person. And it's part of this ongoing thing in the book of like, Her old life was perfect and her new life sucks. And one of the things that she has to learn is that actually maybe her old life wasn't so perfect. And like 
it's just that she was younger then and her sister was alive right did you have any like big moves in grade school from one place to another I moved before third grade but it was like a mile away but I had to still go to a different school no (laughs) I went to the same school from kindergarten to eighth grade and then I went to high school and then I left oh man wow I went to I went to three different elementary schools which is that's a lot. Yeah, um, I really understand her sort of like fish out of water. Like I had like one friend in third grade. He was the other new girl. But I also think that's just like a good way to set up a character. Yeah, it's very relatable. And do you have any siblings? It's, it's such a sibling book. I have step siblings, but mm-hmm. we did not grow up together. So they are they are all older with kids. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like I'm really letting you down in the relating no. to this protagonist. <laughs> I'm just like, no, I didn't move. No, no, no. 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 All good. Me. I'm an only child, too. So a lot of yeah. this was like, whatever you say, man, sure. Yeah. There were a lot of very 2004 references, which I really liked and resonated with. Like, the the first one is on the second page where she says she could, she's like fantasizing about things that she could become. And one is a presidential fitness teen ambassador. <laughs> That is hilarious. It really took me back to a place that I didn't want to go. <laughs> she does go on TRL at one point. Yes. To, to, to date it. Um, yeah. Oh, I also, readers might be curious. This is uh, broken up into three sections mm-hmm. that are named after how her hair is. Um, yes. So the first section is brunette and the second section is like dirty blonde and the third section is platinum because she keeps bleaching her hair as she gets more famous. Yes. I mean that's how it works. The closer you get to gray hair, the more famous you are. <laughs> but again, like as a like middle schooler in 2004, I was like that's such a cool way to like Yeah. Her outside is changing. Like, ooh, that's such a cool way to structure a book. I'm finding the parents really interesting especially in this book the mom and her dynamic with the dad is so fascinating to me yeah they basically don't talk Mm -hmm. yeah they set it up they're no longer sleeping in the same room here dad took permanent custody of the living room with his computer and mom took the bedroom with her tv and the kitchen was the open air arena reserved for occasional sparring which i i appreciated that she talks about you know parents who are falling out who are end up getting divorced in the end but god it made me stressed I think that was something I was surprised by in this book of like I was so stressed I was really holding my breath throughout all of the times where like she could be taken advantage of or something interesting I maybe it's because my parents are divorced I Mm -hmm. like don't think of that as like such a big deal yeah (laughs) um but it is I think it's like a smart decision to mm-hmm. set it up that she doesn't like being at home because of her parents, but not because she has bad parents. Yeah. Like, they both love her and are doing their best. And it's not like, oh, I got to get out of this house because they're abusive or neglectful or mm-hmm. cold or weird. It's like she has two parents who love her. They just don't love each other. And it's just too awkward for her to handle. Yeah, I definitely resonated with, especially like all the times they talk about her mom watching a lot of TV and doing mm-hmm. nothing but watching TV. Very relatable to me and my mom. Even down to the programs she is watching. She's watching really? Law and & Order and ER. Yep. And I promise you right now, my mom is probably watching one of those two. And ER is great. ER is a phenomenal show. It hasn't been on in 10 years, but... Yeah. I think, like, TBS or someone who has no business playing a medical drama is always playing it somehow. I remember ER used to come on after Friends, which I watched as a kid. And I would have to, like, bolt away when ER would start. (laughs) Because, like, the cold open, even the credits, scared me so bad. It was always just someone, like, bleeding out or Mm -hmm. flatlining. And I was like, I can't watch a second of ER. I didn't get into it until I was in college. And I was home one time and it was on. And I was like, oh, this is actually, like extremely high quality television and occasionally I'll turn it on on our TV here and my boyfriend will be like this is really stressful can you please turn it (laughs) off and it is and like it's so fast-paced great show but not relaxing in the slightest no 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 Wonder the main character in this book ends up agreeing to become a pop star because it is what Lucky did and 
there's a moment really early on where she says like she agrees just because it is making her mom liven up it is mm -hmm. making her mom smile and i you know what if i was 15 i might do something like this just to make my mom smile you know <laughs> like i really resonated with that as well yeah i mean that's sort of one of the things going through the book that i did think was a little weird was they never really got into like why is she doing this because she mm -hmm. does do it to make her mom happy and then her mom comes with her for a while and then they realize that it's like not working for her mom to be in new york where she's staying so she's like mom you should go home and then her mom is like, eh, I wish we'd never done this. But then she keeps doing the pop star thing. And I'm like, well, now what's your goal? <laughs> like, Yeah, it was really, the mom was generally just very baffling to me in terms of like, what does she want out of her kids? Because she's kind of set up as like this stage mom in the very beginning, who's like really pushing for her to get back into it. And then there's a bit of like, maybe it's because she misses her dead daughter and wants to, you know, feel connected to her. But it is, it's like you said, it's very muddled. It's never quite clear. It's not quite clear. And it also, I mean, this was my big like gripe with the mm -hmm. book. I remembered like all the elements. I guess I just didn't remember like the balance of them. Mm -hmm. Like it is just about boys. All yep. Wonder cares about is boys. And I was so annoyed because I, boys are interesting, boys are important, and when you're 16, boys are everything, and that's fine. I'm not, like, trying to slut shame her. <laughs> but I think, like, all the stuff that I was interested in, she just breezes right past, where she was like, a bunch of people could recognize me at the mall and they gave me free stuff. That was weird. Anyway, I have a crush on a boy. And I'm like, wait, what's it like to be a pop star? And I wonder if that, like every time I say wonder now <laughs> but I, I wonder like if you are a teen pop star if that is you know accurate to how you see the world but it is like so annoying to have a bunch of men trying to sleep with you what a that's what true, a that's true. what an issue I mean she has you know sort of a terminal case of protagonist of a YA book syndrome which is when men are throwing themselves at you and it's a huge problem but specifically with the boy next door who is the guy that she sort of ends up with i don't want to be one of those people who wants all of their protagonists to like make perfectly moral decisions all the time because that's boring but it was annoying that like she lusts after the popular guy and then she lusts after like a tv star who ends up being gay and then she lusts after this like college guy and then the ending is supposed to be that she sort of came to her senses and is just going to take it nice and slow with the neighbor guy. But the reason that she even gives the neighbor guy a time of day is because he, like, got hot. Not because, like, in the Princess Diaries where it was like, well, he loved me even before I was special. It's like, oh, he cut his hair and he got ripped and now I care about him. <laughs> You're so superficial. Absolutely. It just made the landing not stick so hard for me. Definitely. I think the correct ending is her sort of like, I pick myself. But I think also like in a marketing standpoint, maybe you need to have a love interest at the end. But it did like it, it did take up the majority of the book, I felt like the emotions she is expressing felt accurate. But it, it certainly wasn't the premise of the novel like you were saying yeah i just wish it could have been more about being famous this is just a plug laura hankin recently published a book called the daydreams that has to do with like teen pop stars or like disney stars in like 2004 and it has a really good balance of cinderella wish fulfillment everything that comes down to relationships but also like it is weird to be a teenager who is famous and i just think if you like Pop Princess, you will love The Daydreams, so go read it. Man, that's really interesting. I, while working on this, I've been listening to Alison Stoner's podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's I been spilling the tea. Yeah, I don't remember the name of it right off the top of my head, but I, I that has been a very interesting um, companion piece, and it makes sense that, like, luckily, like, nothing bad happens to Wonder. She is not exploited in the way that often happens to child stars which i think is good 
but also feels like one of the quotes on the back of the book is hilarious yet cautionary. And I sort of felt like, is it that cautionary? It sort of, <laughs> it sort of sounds kind of fun. It sounds very fun. And I mean, it's mostly just about how like the yeah. thing that sucks about being a pop star uh, is that she like can't eat. Yes. Oh my God. The way that this book, don't read this if you have any issues with eating or your body or exercise. Yes, she talks all the time um, about the size of her butt. Yes, so the body stuff, I will say, like, I thought it was realistic. I don't think she was being gratuitous. I do think that, like kind of the main thing that happens when you become famous is people tell you to stop eating and you would be constantly extremely self-conscious but yeah don't 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 read this if you uh, are trying to not diet because she's on a diet the whole time there are a lot of like mentor figures in this there's trina and kayla who were both in this group with her sister trina has left the biz kayla is the superstar And I think in one of the first interactions with Trina, she says, like, you need to start treating your body with respect, which sent chills down my spine. That was awful. There is a lot of body stuff, like one of the more exploity things, but also, again, like sort of realistic things is that wonder establishes right away that she has big boobs and that like that is the first thing people notice about her. That's the only reason guys pay attention to her. They're always staring at her chest and so she she has body issues sort of like right off the bat like even before people start weight shaming her and then i think uh, i want to give it the benefit of the doubt where like the dancing kind of becomes empowering to her where it's like oh i can take control of my body and like i'm i'm a dancer and i'm gonna have a dancer's body but (laughs) poor girl yeah yeah. i did one of the the thing where she wears her uh, sister's old dress and like says that it had looked sweet on her sister and then it looked slutty on her right. has always stuck with me where I'm like because I now not that I like quote unquote work in fashion but I write for fashion outlets and I always have to like describe things and I'm like you know it's true if you're curvier stuff looks like clingy when you didn't mean it to be It's just this, like, effect that it has where Mm. you can't just make clothes bigger and put them on curvy bodies. Like, it will look different. Yeah, there's very much, like, the book is kind of teetering on loss of innocence, becoming an adult. What does womanhood mean? And I think in the end, Wonder doesn't, like, lose her innocence necessarily. Um, She loses her virginity. (laughs) Yes, that's true. Which is not the same as innocence, but you know. Yeah, I was kind of fascinated by that. I didn't I didn't know how much like you wanted to talk about sex with this because this is like this is the the second like high school kind of age book that we've done and I I was I kind of really respected how it talked about sex and sexuality. I was really kind of thrown by the at the end it's revealed that uh her older sister and the big pop star are both queer or might be queer or somewhere in there. I mean, Trina says that Lucky was like indigo girls level yes. day. <laughs> like, which um, it's, it's funny because, and I think this is very 2004, there are two gay reveals in the book. Mm-hmm. And the first one is that a soap star that she has a big crush on is gay. And that is played for laughs. Yeah. Not because a boy kissing a boy is so funny but just because like he's so swishy and like isn't it so funny that the reason that I'm no longer crushing on him is that he's like you know flamboyant in person and then the second gay reveal is like played for depth it's not funny it's like tragic that these two teen girls were discovering their sexuality and one of them was really embracing her sexuality but she died and the other one won't ever be able to embrace her sexuality because she's trying to like be the next j-lo um i also i i mean granted i'd read this book before but like when kayla keeps like going into her bedroom with her assistant i was like yeah they're hooking up yeah (laughs) like 
it's not that subtle no not at all but, um, oh sorry you wanted to talk about sex um I oh. well I will say I had zero sex in high school I was not having sex as a teenager yeah so, me too and and a lot of my friends were not really having very much sex either uh so this was like fun for me to read about and also mm-hmm. something that I don't have like a hot take on yeah it it again like they revisit the same sort of topic like a number of times to give wonder a chance to like make different decisions so at one point the like bad boy of the high school who she has a crush on wants to sleep with her and she says no because she wants her first time to be a little bit more special than that and then she changes her mind she's like no I do want to have sex with him and she goes back and she sees him having sex with someone else and she's like well okay never mind Mm -hmm. and then she starts this flirtation with a college boy who is like nicer to her but is not like um her boyfriend (laughs) um and they that's who she ends up uh having sex with for the first time and she's disappointed again because she's like oh that really wasn't like as much of a bonding experience as I thought it was going to be but I'm really hormonal so I did want to do it but I'm just kind of sad and then by the end she's decided to like take it slow with the boy next door she's going to sort of approach sex in a more reasonable adult way so I I mean I guess they sort of use it as like the pros and cons of growing up too fast Mm -hmm. um but yeah nothing nothing super creepy happens to her yeah uh, because she's got people looking out for her which is good yeah I I didn't have any sex in high school either I was like in the Mormon friend group it was all very Not even PG-13. It was all very PG. I finished this yesterday and then I immediately started reading Gossip Girl, which is our next episode. And both of them, it's like all you can think about is sex. And I'm like, I I don't know that I experienced that. I was just really stressed in high school. It was like something I was vaguely aware of that like the cool theater kids were doing. But it was so extremely remote and distant and inconceivable. I've also read Gossip Girl, it's an excellent book series. <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about like boys in general, mm-hmm. a- including sex, but not always specifically sex. Yeah. Like I really just wanted to make out. Very. But it's also like if someone, I, again, this is why I was like, but that's not the premise of the book. Like, mm-hmm. the the premise of Gossip Girl is, like, that they're teens and they're fucking each other. So, like, okay. But, yeah. like, the premise of this book is that she becomes a pop star. <laughs> and I was like, you know, if I became a pop star, I might, that might actually be a pretty good distraction from boys. Yeah. Even if you are a hormonal teenager. Like, I, I don't know. I would get very into my dumb projects. If someone had put me on TV, I think that would take up most of my mental space was, like, the fact that I'm on TV. Yeah. It you do kind of want to shake her throughout all of it of like you're you're not getting it. You're not getting any of it. She doesn't seem to care at all that she's becoming famous. And I am like, then why did you write this book about a pop Yeah. <laughs> it is very much like, well, I guess this is cool, sort of attitude throughout it. It really is more like what's it like being in a pop star's entourage. Exactly. Because she sort of hitches her wagon to Kayla. She goes on tour with her and she goes to parties at her place, et cetera, et cetera. But like the fact of her album is not a big part of it. No, we only hear about one song, which I thought was funny and in, in maybe not funny, but it's it's very sexualized. And yet the imagery is very adolescent and you know, young. So I and- thought it was smart. I mean, people are always yeah. like teen girls make bubblegum pop. So it's like, oh, she has a song called Bubblegum Pop. Yeah, it works. Definitely. I was interested that in her family, she's, you know, she's contemplating early on going back into this thing that her sister did. And her younger brother is the only person who has this mentality of like, this killed my sister. So it will kill my other sister as well, which is what I expected from the whole family. Yeah, except that her sister just got hit by a drunk driver. Yeah, it's not, it really wasn't like a result of, she was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. I wonder why Rachel Cohn picked that as the the mode of death, which sounds so weird to say. There are a lot of very convenient things in the book. Like, yeah. she keeps running into people she's met before. 
she gets an album because they prepped an album for a girl who then got pregnant, which like I thought was like a good twist and yeah. like a realistic way to make her sort of an overnight pop star when like really this would take longer. But there's just a lot of things where it's like, oh, that's crazy. Like your sister got hit by a drunk driver on the day that she signed her recording contract. And her old manager walked into the Dairy Queen you work at at the moment you happen to be singing, where I'm like, she didn't even try. (laughs) Yeah. But you mentioned Dairy Queen. I love the detail of her working at Dairy Queen, because at least when I was in high school, I didn't have a job in high school because my mom said, your job is to get into college. Mm -hmm. Um, But everyone else worked at Cold Stone Creamery. Absolutely (laughs) everybody worked at Cold Stone Creamery. That's funny. I got a job I didn't have a job till my senior year of high school and I worked at Urban Outfitters how did you rebel as a teen I didn't <laughs> yeah, same, same. I got my nose pierced when I was 18 and my dad didn't like it but <laughs> that's about it yeah I think mine was like going to art school which was really only rebelling against my mom <laughs> yeah I I mean I'd like pick fights with my parents sometimes mm-hmm. I'd like lie a little, you know, I'd say I was going to bed when I didn't, but I, that was about it. I mean, I didn't have a lot of very strict rules, so I would have had to try pretty hard to break any rules. I remember one time my mom and stepdad were out of town for maybe like a week and I was home alone for like a while. Oh, wow. And I, but I was like 17 or 18, so it was fine, but I was getting something out of the freezer and I accidentally broke a bottle of vodka. And so I cleaned it up and I threw the glass away and it didn't occur to me to call them just to tell them I broke something. And so they got home a week and they got home later and then they didn't notice until like two weeks later, at which point I had totally forgotten to tell, like, it just didn't even occur to me to tell them. I was like, oh, I cleaned it up. And they were like, hey, what happened to that bottle of vodka? And I was like, oh, broke it a month ago. And they were like, well, we know you're lying. Like, we know you took this <laughs> bottle of vodka and drank it with your friends. And I was like, no, I didn't. <laughs> like, I, I was like, I would never do that. I would hide it somewhere else. I would refill it with water. I would be sneakier. Like, I would never just, but they were so, they were like, you don't leave a teenager home alone and a bottle of vodka goes missing and she didn't take it. And I was right. like, I really just broke it. <laughs> Man, I, my parents would go out every Wednesday night for like two hours and that was my my home alone time that I treasured. And I think every once in a while I would like try my dad's bourbon mm-hmm. and I'd be like, that's yucky. And that's it. And I remember like the only other thing was like, I <laughs> one time for some reason was lighting things on fire, just like little pieces <laughs> of paper and one fell and singed the carpet mm-hmm. and I just ignored it and I think that was like the extent of my teen rebellion was accidentally burning the carpet a little pyromaniac um well yeah that hasn't changed I would love to rebel by becoming a pop star that would be great right she ends up becoming a pop star partly because it makes her mom smile but also partly because her dad tells her not to Yeah, well, that's the other thing is that she hates school and she doesn't get good grades. And she's just like, I'm never going to make any money. Like, I'm never going to get into a good college. I could be good at being a pop star. I can't be good at school. And I think it ends up being sort of the lesson of the book is, is I felt very sad about how she was doing all of this for her sister in honor of her sister sort of living out what her sister's path was supposed to be and in the end you know you have to choose yourself and you have to figure out your own path and things like that for a kind of light and fluffy book there was a lot about wonder and about the relationship with her parents that really broke my heart there's there's some real sadness going on here yeah I think that was another reason that her brother didn't want her to go off and be a pop star is he's like don't leave me here with these people yeah (laughs) again in things being very convenient she gets this offer to come record something and she goes oh I can't I have school and then the school gets shut down for a week because of asbestos yes immediately that's the type of shit where I was like this is really lining up for a winner Blake my school had asbestos all four years. Nothing ever happened with that. Oh, no. <laughs> you got to get a scan, girl. I know. Oh, my! I was talking about it with my boyfriend last night. There's a company that will give you a full body scan and tell you everything going on in you, but it costs uh, $2,500. For Nuvo? Yes, exactly. Yeah. People have been wondering why all the celebrities are suddenly hawking that. 
and they think it's because maybe they all have stake in a like a company that oh. is going to profit off of the IPO or something. Interesting. Because they keep posting about it and it's like hashtag not an ad. Anyway. She starts off with this best friend named Katie who is very quickly dispensed with and, and goes away and sort of, but I, she is set up as such an interesting character because she has what's called a popularity kit, pop capital P, capital K. Yes. Oh, that was so my shit as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me everything. Like I was the type of person to like brand stuff, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I would have, I wouldn't have just been like, well, this is my best hair clip and this is my best t-shirt. I would be like, this is my best school day kit, you know? She ends up becoming pretty and and follows the popular kids. Did you like genuinely have popular kids? Like what, I went to a strange high school. What was popularity like for you? We could talk about this for hours because Good. I'm also writing a screenplay based on my senior year of high school. we did not have like cheerleaders Mm -hmm. or any of those other things where it was like x group is popular Mm -hmm. we had sort of like the super pretty girls who were like good girls and the super pretty girls who were like bad girls um like one group sort of got good grades and drank a little and the other like smoked pot in the park and i guess they were what you would call popular but this is so i have like let me know what you think of this sort of yeah. theory is like whether or not you want it, you sort of need a most popular girl and a most popular boy. Mm-hmm. Even if they're not really the most popular, you just need like the default or the person that everyone's trying to get close to. Or like yeah. if you had to have a prom queen, who would it be? Like it's just humans. We love hierarchy. Yeah, <laughs> um, We're always organizing ourselves that way. My freshman year, there was one kid who was the most popular, gregarious, well-liked, teachers thought he was cool. Like, I didn't even like this guy very Mm -hmm. much. And I don't even know that his friends liked him all that much, but he just was, like, the guy. Right. And we had also the girl who was so sweet to everyone. She was incredibly beautiful. She was super fashionable. She was, like kind of cool and like rode horses Mm -hmm. and she got along with everyone and then at the end of freshman year she left (gasps) and it created this power vacuum that like really I think affected the next three years as various (laughs) girls like threw their hat in the ring to be the most popular girl Oh my gosh. Because there was one girl who was like super beautiful and super rich and super gregarious, but she just didn't have the it factor. So (laughs) when she tried to become super popular, there was like a backlash and people found her really annoying. (laughs) And then there were like other people who were like the coolest, but they weren't really nice enough just because they Mm. didn't feel the need to be nice to everybody, which is fine. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to be friends with everyone. But it was like, you couldn't really say that they were the most popular. They were just kind of the coolest. And then, like, it was all these things. And then for, like, one second, it was me. But I was only ever really popular with the other girls. Like, guys did not think of me as a cool person. Mm -hmm. But I could get along with all the girls. And so, like, I could sometimes sort of pass myself off as, like, the, the cool girl of the class. But I also couldn't because you, like have to be hot and I wasn't hot and 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 so the boys because they still had their leader they became such a force and there were like the popular boys they called themselves the crew um (laughs) and yeah they were like the crew and like they had their spot that they would go to they had all these inside jokes it was like oh is the crew gonna be there and we didn't have it because we were leaderless Mm. Man, that's fascinating. Anyway, that's my long rant about what happened in my high school. <laughs> no, I love it because this one very sweet girl left. That's fascinating though. High schools are such interesting social dynamics. Like I went to I went to a magnet school, so everyone was like really focused on grades, really focused on getting into a good college. So we had popular kids, but I always felt like the attitude was like that's something that matters to them, so we'll let them mm. have that. Oh, that's nice. And, like, they were all very pretty, and a lot of them were, like, local to the school, you know, the local kids, and it was whoever sat at the senior bench. It clearly mattered to some people, and the rest of us were just like, I really am trying to s- survive these five AP classes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, again, I don't have time for that. 
I was blown away by the fact that her big celebrity crush is a soap opera star. Yeah, that was weird. I think it was supposed to be like because she would watch a soap with her mom. But again, it just sort of shows how like out of step she is Mm -hmm. with the pop star lifestyle that she ends up getting shoved into. Where it's like, what if she had a crush on like another pop star and then they did a duet, you know? That's true. Write your own version. That was another, oh, that was another thing where like, this is convenient. She says, she explains that like the song is good, but then she makes a good impression on a DJ who does a remix of it. And that's what like charts and makes it like the song of the summer. And it's like, well, good thing we ran into that DJ. (laughs) Yeah. And it's sort of set up as like the, the manager Tig knows that the DJ is gay. So sends in the soap star who is gay but doesn't seem like everybody knows that he's gay but that impresses the dj it's so convoluted and she's nice she's like real where it's like her the the big pop girl kayla has been trying to get this dj to work with her but he won't work with her because she's like such a diva and such a phony yeah um, wonder's so sweet and guileless and it's like well yeah she's 16 yeah <laughs> she's very... not as manipulative as other people because she's a child exactly there's this detail that lucky the dead sister wrote her own songs mm-hmm. and i went and looked it up there's like a jewel reference at the end of like girls who are jewel wannabes who have like cowboy boots and things like that so i had to look it up taylor swift debuted two years later and i thought like for for all of the things that feel a little off about this book, I do feel like, oh, Rachel Cohn really had her, her finger on the pulse of what was happening oh, in yeah, young yeah. woman music. That was one of the, I think, smartest twists and one that really, again, like that one of the things I remembered from the book over the past 19 years or whatever mm-hmm. is that the reason that her career ends is because like her style of pop goes out. Right. And the label only has enough time to devote to like making Kayla a badass and I was just like oh that's why you never hear from some people again yeah it makes an incredible amount of sense as an adult it's so funny like I still am into all this shit like I watch (laughs) YouTube videos about like what happened to this pop star like I still want to know what it's like to be a pop star I watched one yesterday about people who are like bigger in other countries than the one they started in oh and it was so interesting where I was like oh I thought Kelly Rowland was like a flop after Mm -hmm. Destiny's Child but she's like huge in Europe oh and I was like just these things you never think about yeah I was like I love these behind the scenes I still I am still that 2004 girl who loves a behind the scenes pop star fact man I love that I was so excited when you picked this book I think because you know it's about the music industry and we're both in entertainment but it it, they feel you know next door neighbors Mm -hmm. and I thought that was so interesting of like of wanting to be in this world I don't really know where I'm going with this but I thought that was really interesting and and I I love doing this podcast because you you really get to know someone by by the things that matter to them as a younger person yeah I mean I just like wanted to be Hillary Duff like that was oh yeah I was just like, well, that girl has the best life of anyone on the planet. That's what peak living looks like, is you do pop, and you are have fun on a show, and you wear cool clothes, and everybody takes your picture. <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day. How on earth would you set, like, Lizzie McGuire is really truly a show about nothing. You know, it's about living your life as a, as a middle schooler, high schooler. It's about being in seventh grade and you have a little cartoon alter ego. Yeah. And I like, I don't know that that would sell today. And yet I think it's like one of the most beloved, like of our era, Disney Channel shows, because it, you don't have to be Hannah Montana to be relatable, I think. Yeah, I mean, that is, like, a thing that has really changed. I don't really know the state of it now, but I know that, like, between sort of one era of Disney Channel to the other, everything became way more high concept, and everybody had to be a little edgier. Like, like it used to be a lot of shows about kids in the suburbs, and then it became a lot of shows about kids who lived in L.A. and New York. That's true. 
they couldn't just be wizards of whatever. They had to be wizards of Waverly Place. They live in New York. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, Hannah Montana, like she lives in Malibu and she has this like very jet set life and sort of all of these shows about these sort of like special kids. Whereas like, yeah, like even Stevens, Lizzie McGuire, like even, you know, that's so Raven, like, yeah, she can see the future, but like she hardly ever does anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's, she's like, just a teenager in San Francisco. Yeah. Man, I was thinking about this exact thing a couple days ago about sort of how early 2000s, and I think it's it's in the 90s as well, but you get this really sharp turn into like extreme cynicism. And I was like, man, that's 9-11, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I can always bring it back to 9-11. <laughs> we want the 90s to be one thing and they kind of were a different one. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are so very 90s, early 2000s with all the references and stuff. But the one that got me the most is I think Trina takes her out for lunch and they're starting their diet and stuff. And Trina in her like good dieting order orders baked potato chips, which made me cry (laughs) because I remember that shit and that shit sucks. Those are awful. (laughs) They're like weirdly sweet. I mean, this was like on the lighter side of diet talk like Mm -hmm. this was such a funny period of marketing foods as healthy that are so clearly not gonna help you lose weight (laughs) where it's like this is a snack well it only has you know whatever 20 calories and it's like it's a hunk of sugar (laughs) it's not gonna help you lose weight it's not gonna keep you full and it's not gonna satisfy you as a dessert but you're right it won't make you fat because it's only 20 calories like right cool like and you know they redid the food pyramid and stuff and it's all this stuff where it's like you know we all know we should be eating more fruits and vegetables that's not why we don't (laughs) yeah it's just that they're not fun it's just that nobody wants them it's very early on in the book they're watching what is basically mtv and learning all of the routines that everyone's doing and doing them in commercials they're talking about Kayla and all the makeup that she has. And Wonder goes, I thought Kayla had been prettier when she looked like a real person. Yeah. There's a lot of like, you can't win in this book. Yeah. Of like, if you are pre-makeover, everyone's like, yeah, I guess you're cute. And then if you're post-makeover, it's like, oh my God, you're such a poser. <laughs> like, yeah. You're such a try hard. Look at you all done up. And it's like, God damn, she's just 16. She wanted exactly. to get some highlights. <laughs> there's so much with all of the talk about sex and, and virginity. There's so much, not slut shaming, but like, oh, I don't want to be a slut. And that's a constant threat, like looming over her. It's like this push pull of like, that is very true of the time and, and would be true for, I think, like the next 10 years mm-hmm. of like, Disney's like purity ring era Mm -hmm. and like kids getting their pictures leaked and like all this stuff of like we're gonna make you grow up nice and fast but don't you dare have sex like yeah absolutely and I think maybe that's just a dynamic that is that is always gonna be fraught for kids of needing to be adult but not too adult and finding that that sweet spot but I think one thing that Trina the Trina character is in college she's in her 20s and at the end the, this was my least favorite part of the book at the end ends up with wonders manager i know, I know. <laughs> who is a full adult and also her like step uncle and they bring that up and they're like well no that that was through marriage and that's ending in divorce so it's fine i hate it it's yucky to me because she's a 20 year old but then I was going through my notes and I had flagged pretty early on Trina is wearing a nightgown like a really frumpy oh. <laughs> one and I was like she has an old soul this is how they're doing it they're planting the seeds to make it not weird that she's with her step uncle yeah I I could do the math on how that might work out and still be okay but we don't need to <laughs> no. the next thing is something that I I think I maybe just need to talk about in therapy but there's this moment where Trina is like trying to get wonder if up you bring to- up pop princess in therapy I will be so thrilled <laughs> I mean separately take a shot every time they say pop princess because you'll be dead by like page 30 <laughs> Uh, oh my god. But at one point, Trina is like trying to wake her up to get into the, you know, the the dance regime. I can't think of the right word. Boot camp. And Wonder is like, no, I need caffeine. And Trina is arguing with her. And the book says, my voice came alive. Now, 
Trina shot me her, don't speak to me in that tone of voice, young lady, look. I have been experiencing this of like sudden flashes of basically a tantrum of just like, I don't want that. I don't want to do that. And I, every time it happens to me, I feel so shitty. I feel like such a child. And yet like those moments of emotional clarity of like, I want something or I don't want something are also really rare for me. I was wondering, are you having little tantrums? Is this universal? I think of tantrums maybe when no one is around. Mm-hmm. I don't typically snap at people. Yes, exactly. I always said that I had my last tantrum like in college and then recently I described it to someone they were like that's not a tantrum so (laughs) but I I will say my last like being a stubborn toddler moment was in my college years I was traveling with a friend and my mom and my stepdad in Italy uh brag and um (laughs) in Europe people have dinner much later than they do in America Mm -hmm. and I wanted to like be your, you know, literally when in Rome. Right. Um, so I had, I was getting so embarrassed. We would show up at restaurants like as they were opening, right. like before they were ready to seat people. Um, and I was like, mom, tomorrow we're gonna, can we eat late? And she was like, yeah. And then tomorrow came around and she was like, well, I'm hungry. So we're going. And I sat on the bed with my arms crossed and I was like, <laughs> no, you can't make me you can't you said we could eat late and my stepdad was like your mother's hungry and I was like I don't care she can be (laughs) hungry for a couple hours we I'm not getting off this bed till 8 p.m because that is when Europeans have dinner and I think I got off at like seven or something but but it was I did even in that moment realize like I am being pretty immature right now but I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I'm gonna sit here and be stubborn yeah I'll have these moments where my boyfriend is like okay I want to like look at something or like I want to like look at you know where are we gonna go on vacation next and I just get in this place of like I don't want to no why should I I don't want to and it that doesn't come out but I'm having this thing of like why should I do things if I don't want to I'm spending too much time alone in my house doing nothing and not talking to people I feel like I can most express my inner child to whoever I'm dating like yeah I did true. once I was dating this guy who really wanted to check out this new ice cream place that had opened a few blocks from him and we'd mentioned it a couple times and then we were like let's just go. Let's just go right now. And we were both like quite excited and it was a really hot day. And so we walked there and the whole time we're like, it's going to be ice cream. It's going to be ice cream. We're going to get ice cream. Just a few more blocks. And then we got there and it was like Indian ice cream, which like, I I don't mean to be culturally insensitive. Like, I think it was a white person who owned it, but it was like chai ice cream and like spicy chocolate and just and I literally I turned him I was like I don't want this yeah we came all the way here and I was like but I don't want it and he's like he was like really disappointed and I could tell I was hurting his feelings but I was Mm -hmm. just like I don't want it exactly he he was like well just try it (laughs) he gave me like a spoonful of like rose flavored ice cream and I was like this tastes like perfume I hate (laughs) I just kind of pouted I was like I don't want this yeah like I want vanilla with cookie chunks yeah I feel like maybe that's just being a normal person is that sometimes you have sometimes you deserve a little moment of like I'm an adult so often right now I want to be stubborn right now I want to be inflexible I just don't want to yeah I just don't want to in an early chapter she's struggling with high school and there's this moment of no one sitting with her in the cafeteria which is a deeply universal and traumatizing experience and Henry the boy that she kind of ends up with comes and sits with her and I did have a moment of like is there anything sweeter in the world than someone sitting with you at lunch while you're alone at a table so nice to her and that is not and she never cares. Yeah. Until he gets hunky, like you said. Exactly. Yeah. She doesn't even like call him by his real name in the beginning. When we were shooting season two of Flatch, the COVID restrictions were, were loosening from season one. So everyone had lunch in an elementary school cafeteria. And those same fears came back about like, she's not sitting at my table. What do I do? Like, I don't, <laughs> there are only three people at my table and the, the table over there is a lot cooler. And it it's so stressful for absolutely no reason. It's weird when you have to put your social life like on display for others to see because mm-hmm. usually if no one's hanging out with you, then by definition no one can see no one hanging out with you. 
Yeah. Like if I don't have anywhere to go over the weekend, it's a little embarrassing, but I stay home. People don't know that I, they might assume I'm hanging out with someone else, but like when you have no one to eat lunch with, you still have to eat lunch. Yeah. That was something I think that ended up being a little blessing in disguise with my high school is that nobody ate in the cafeteria because the cafeteria was too small to fit everybody. Yep. So you just ate wherever. And that was, it's a a lot easier to hide that way. Yeah, I had my moments of, I'm just going to eat lunch in the library and read a book. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. She's obsessed with a soap star. Who was your version? Did you have one? Oh God, I was just talking about him yesterday. What's his face? I would like go whoever. Your Daniel Radcliffe's, your Gordo Mm -hmm. on Lizzie McGuire. Yeah. I will say my like, the first romantic dream I ever had was about making out with Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes and sense. I was a I was a Star Wars girly, and I remain something of a Star Wars girly. So young Anakin Skywalker really did it for me. Yeah, for me, I don't think I really had one. I think partly because like there was a phase where I was very Tiger Beat girl, and I was cutting everything out and putting the posters on my wall. But I didn't want to put posters of boys up because then my parents might ask about it. Yeah. and the worst thing is is talking about anything vulnerable with your parents. But I'm also now wondering in hindsight, like, maybe it's because you're a queer girl. <laughs> maybe. Like, <laughs> but I do remember, like, late elementary school, early middle school, the Jonas Brothers were, were coming to be a thing, and everyone had to pick their Jonas Brother. And mine was Nick. See, this is the difference in our ages. I was just too old for the Jonas Brothers. Mm-hmm. But plenty of my peers were into the Jonas Brothers and in a friendly way, I so- totally judged them for it. I was like, <laughs> what if they are not a rock band? We are too old for this shit. They're on Disney Channel. What the hell are you? They would be like, oh my God, isn't Nick Jonas so cute? And I'd be like, that is a child. <laughs> I am not into that. Um, and now as an adult, I have, of course, come to appreciate the Jonas Brothers because yeah, they have some bangers. They're a bunch of fun. Yeah. I loved all the Buffy references throughout. It was such a clear way to describe Liam, the college boy. They describe him as he looked like Angel from Buffy, Angel from seasons one and two, when he was really skinny and moody, before he went off to his own show and got all into nasty Cordelia, before he started wearing leather pants and lost his street cred. I was like, first off, Rachel, you absolutely, yes, that's absolutely a thing. Angel, he starts wearing all black and it just doesn't work. And then you get into the Cordelia stuff and I'm like, oh, this is really 2004 feminism. Cordelia is a great character. She's nuanced and doesn't. I would not like die for Cordelia. I would die for Cordelia Chase. Absolutely. She's amazing. And Charisma Carpenter did such a good job. And one of my favorite fun facts about Buffy, you probably know this, is that Sarah Michelle Gellar auditioned first to play Cordelia. Yeah. And they strung her along. They made her audition Mm -hmm. a lot to play Buffy. Yeah. And she was an Emmy winner already. She was a daytime Mm -hmm. Emmy winner. Sarah Michelle Gellar is one of the finest actors of our generation. And I really incredible. Yeah, I really love Cordelia. Did you not watch season three? Did you not see her get stabbed with a pipe? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think also, you know, you were asking me, like, the reason that this book came into my life. I did sort of go for anything with princess in the title. The Princess Diaries, like, yep. has a kind of a similar vibe of, yeah. like, well, overnight my life changed, but I'm still just kind of worried about normal high school things. Although I do think it's, like, more clearly comedic yeah. and intentional in that and I do think Meg Cavett is such a strong writer mm-hmm. but it did just remind me of there's a different book of hers it's not in the Princess Diaries series where one girl is giving another girl kind of like a makeover and mm-hmm. something that always always stuck with me was she's like just trying to help this sort of like weird girl at school make friends and she brings over a box set of Buffy and yeah. she's like, you have to watch all this so that you have something normal to talk about with people <laughs> I love that. I love that at the end, Wonder is like reverting back to her normal life. And she's like having a phone call and Henry goes into a store and comes out with multiple seasons of Buffy on DVD. I was like, yeah, that's a keeper. For seven years, every wedding anniversary, my dad would give my mom the next season of Buffy on DVD for seven years. And the Buffy DVDs had the best menus they're like in a graveyard there's great music they're it's so interactive it's a lost art form is dvd menus seriously there were games if you knew where to click on the lord of the rings menu 
Oh my gosh. I only got into Lord of the Rings about a year ago, but big fan, big fan. Really good sleepover stuff because you can fall asleep and when you wake up, like they're just still walking a Mordor. <laughs> like, exactly. They're oh, just man. still going. I love it. That was what I did during season two of Flatch is alone in my hotel room just watching that on repeat. <laughs> I was interested later on, they say that Kayla can never be alone because only children hate being alone. And I was like, yeah, that's absolutely true. Up until yeah. like two years ago, I fucking hated being by myself. I like to be alone at home, but I am never alone at home because I have a cat. Yeah. I'm amazed that my cat has been so well behaved. He's he's sleeping with his little forehead pressed to the ground. It doesn't look comfy. Matilda's sleeping with her little head like all twisted and she's got her little paw. Oh, she just woke up. My next question is, have you ever been offered coke? I don't know. I feel like I you didn't so. know, Lizzie. <laughs> because I've done coke, but I think I've just, I've always been the one bringing it. Oh, wow. So I'm just trying to think back through <laughs> because I don't want to get fentanyl poisoned. So I guess I've yeah. never, no, I don't think I've ever been offered coke. Me either. But I think it's, they know my answer before they ask, I guess. I have offered others coke. I feel fine saying that for the internet to hear. I Good. bought cocaine one time <laughs> many years ago and I made it last for many years and I don't have it anymore. Wow. I literally am the exact same person I was when I was 13. I still just want to know what it's like to be a pop star. I was watching a YouTube video the other day, the same YouTuber, and she was going through various artist tour riders of like the temperature they wanted in their dressing room and like how much water they need and all this stuff. And two things she was hung up on was, and it was like, it's so weird that he wants all this junk food and then broccoli. And then it's so <laughs> weird that he wants powdered donuts. Like, it's so crazy that you need like freshly powdered donuts all the time. Like, that's so random. And then everyone in the comments was like, you know, that's code, right? And I was like, <laughs> oh, weed and cocaine. That um... makes sense. And then all, the girl who made the video was also in the comments being like, thank you for pointing that out. But I was like, yeah pop stars still do drugs man i was just watching a video my boyfriend sent me that was nba stars who are like eating 24 candy bars a day <laughs> i don't think that had a, an explanation with drugs i think that was just weird no i think that's just them liking candy bars that yeah makes sense to me <laughs> yeah that makes a lot of sense to me too one of the last notes I had is is liam the the college boy uh tries to kind of get some resolution on their relationship and as he's leaving after Lucky has turned him down, or after Wonder has turned him down, he says, congratulations, you're going to haunt me for a lifetime, which is very much wish fulfillment to me. I don't think that their relationship is, like, problematic, but I do think it's weird for, like, a college guy to be like, this teenager's going to haunt me for Yeah, because she is like, 16. 18, like, it's fine, but it is like, dude, get over it. Like, it's wish fulfillment, but it's also, like, uh, self-serious college boys. Are, uh, I'm, I'm sure they do say that shit sometimes. Yeah, very... They were so spot on when they said he's angel. It was, it was, yeah. she, she really knew. I mean, maybe that was like going into it. She's like, this is going to be the, the archetype. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about her quitting? Because I felt kind of disappointed, but I think in the end, like that's that's kind of the point of the book. It was never her dream. Well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, It makes sense with how it's set up because... She doesn't really quit. She gets dropped. Mm -hmm. um, and then her manager is like, well, okay, well, like, this doesn't need to be the end. We can go to other record labels. We can go out to LA and, like, audition you for movies. And she quits. But it's also, like, she only did it in the first place because it was so, so easy. Right. So now that it's not easy anymore, <laughs> she's like, nah, I should probably go to college. And she never seemed that into it. One of the notes I wrote to myself was, like, when is she going to get it? Like, yeah. So how do you feel having reread the book as an adult? My main feeling was disappointment. <laughs> I mean, I never thought that this book was like a masterpiece. I chose it for this just because I felt like rereading it. Yeah. I'm a little disappointed. I thought the writing was good. Mm -hmm. I was disappointed that it was not as much about being famous as I wanted it to be. And it was way more about boys. But I will put a big, like, take it with a grain of salt, which is that I am not a adult YA reader. Like, mm -hmm. I am not a person who reads YA for fun. It doesn't scratch my 
itch as an adult. So I do think it would be like for me to be like, it wasn't that good is like, but I'm an adult and I liked it when I was a kid. So that's right. still good enough for me. But I was disappointed. And I guess following up on that, you know, would you consider it required reading? Not necessarily like in school, required reading can be a very loose term of even like required to get to know you. I had that thought. I mean, The Princess Diaries just made such a bigger impact on me that I'm like, that is my required reading. But I didn't Mm -hmm. choose for this because I was like, eh, that's sort of an obvious... I want to do something different. Mm -hmm. Um, I would say it's maybe required reading if you are 14 and want a book about Britney Spears. Right. Yeah, this is as good as it's going to get. I wouldn't need someone to read it to get to know me now. What did you think of it overall? Like, were you like, wow, Lizzie, thanks for making me read this book? Or were you like, oh, that's (laughs) that's interesting that she chose that. But no, thank you. (laughs) Did you have fun? Yeah, absolutely. It is fun. The writing is good. Absolutely. I love Rachel Cohn. I was so glad that I got to, like, revisit her and spend some time with her, especially because Nick and Nora, it does switch writers. You know, I haven't read Mm -hmm. something that's that's just her. It was really nice in a weird way to go back to 2004. I think Mm -hmm. less – some things were fun of, like, the ER and the Buffy, all of that was nice. But I think it was also, like – it was a lot of like, thank God we're not there anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and that has value too. And and I think just thinking about like where I was at the time, what I wanted out of high school, the podcast is, is all about sort of getting a little time to hang out with your younger self. And I'm always ready to do that. Yes, 100%. I sort of sporadically also have a podcast with my friend Allie called She's Great in That, where we watch like all the movies that... and actress has been in and right now we're doing Kirsten Dunst movies um so if you just type into Spotify she's great in that it's a it's a fun one and I have a newsletter called Lizzie Logan is a genius it's a Substack. you can find it at lizzielogan.substack.com but it's Lizzie Logan with five z's nice you're great in that podcast by the way thank you it was very fun to do thank you so much for surviving this oh my god thank (laughs) you for letting me just like rant about a book for teenagers and absolutely we're reading doing this whole book just for me well we are doing princess diaries in two episodes with allison reese it's gonna be fun and if there's ever any other book you want to revisit you're always welcome back i will think about it i feel like i should revisit more books it's a nice thing yeah what all the things were but yeah have fun with Princess Diaries and uh, Gossip Girl, a, a, a formative text. Mm, yeah, it's yeah. I'm halfway through. It's going. <laughs> it's going. It's pretty repetitive, but, you know, is what it yeah. is. All right. Thank you All so right. much. Bye, darling. Talk to you later. Do you have anything to plug?